Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Broncos Blitz podcast. Of course, Mile High Sports. My name is Sean Drotar. Thanks for joining me. Uh, but my uh, administration tenure, uh, I don't know even what you call it, but taking over this love writing podcast. Uh, it's a treat to be able to do this. Looking forward to riding with you this season. Of course, we're going to have a ray of tremendous guests the whole time. You can follow them if you'd like on Twitter at S-D-R-O-T-A-R. First up, right out of the box is our friend and colleague Cody Rourke, the lead Broncos writer from Mile High Sports. And of course, uh, if you catch me in Sandy Club from 2 to 4 p.m. on Mile High Sports, one, thank you. Two, stick around because Cody and his co-host, Anil Apiro, follow us directly after on Afternoon Drive. Cody, thanks for uh, joining the podcast as we uh, sort of revamp it and renew it for the, the 2023 season and a reinvented Broncos under Sean Payton. Yeah, well, you know, first thing you said was, uh, you know, thanks for joining us for the ride. You know, I'm excited about that. Russell Wilson obviously is excited about that. But uh, there's a lot going on with this Broncos team, especially with this new season that's approaching. And and I think the biggest difference maker is Sean Payton coming in as the head coach. And we've been able to see two practices. We've got to see rookie minicamp. We've got to see the first week of OTAs. We've got to see one day out of the week on Thursday. And the one thing that stood out to me is just how he has command of the entire operation around – not just like the football stuff, the practice, but I mean, the environment, the environment around Dub Valley is a Sean Payton controlled narrative now, you know, and it's not a bad thing. We'll obviously discuss the pros and cons of that. Talk about it from a media perspective and also a fan perspective, but yeah, Sean Payton has, has come in and he, when he speaks, everybody's ears perk up a little bit. And when he walks around, everybody is in tune. Well, it's obviously going to be a dramatic change for fans who are accustomed now to three first-time head coaches in which the Broncos have gone through. And now you're talking about a guy that's won a Super Bowl that is, uh, and runs a pretty tight ship, comes from the Bill Parcells School of Coaching, and uh, you don't get a lot of leaks. And I think what we've seen early on from Sean Payton from his very first press conference, which I thought he actually was uh, more open than I expected, but he was also open about we're not going to talk about that many things. Uh, following the draft, when players were drafted, it wasn't the way the Broncos had done in previous years, where bringing in guy after guy after guy, it, it all just sort of happened, you know, in small little bits and pieces. And that's what we've seen thus far in the OTAs too, including the way I think for fans, the way they're used to seeing the Broncos covered, that's going to change too. You were out there, of course, at Dove Valley yesterday for that first practice. And uh, explain a little bit for, for fans who may be used to Twitter and watching 10-second snippets of uh, someone throwing a football into a garbage can, how that isn't going to happen anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, it is uh, it's something that Sean Payton has done before in New Orleans. And to be honest with you, I was talking to somebody on the New Orleans Saints beat this morning, and they're still doing the same thing in New Orleans now because Sean Payton came in and worked really well for them. Uh, so now that's coming over to the Denver Broncos, whereas media – you know, fans over the, the course of the last, gosh, however many years have been used to any practice that we're attending, it's updates. Who's there? Who's not there? Uh, what observations that don't give away any tactical, you know, information, you know, happened? Was there a big catch over somebody? Uh, was there a, an interception? You're not going to get those updates anymore because during practice, when it's just open to the media, close to the public, it is going to be, you can't have your phone out. You're not allowed to be on your phone, No, not even texting, no texting, no taking notes on your phone. You have to do it the old-fashioned way. It's going to be like comedy works where they're going to make, make you put it in the weird uh, envelope that they magnetically seal, and then you have to, you won't let it, you won't yeah. let you take it. That we'll, next? we'll see. We'll see if there's anybody that tries to, you know, work their way around. Or someone the rules. will. Always like, somebody. There, there is always somebody, you know, and, and we'll see how it goes. But Broncos fans have always been so used to instant consumption of what's going on. And, 
obviously that's not going to be there anymore. So for the fan, I understand the frustration. For a fan, that has to be super frustrating. The information is going to come out after practice. We're not allowed to tweet. We're not allowed to post any photos or videos until after practice has officially concluded and we hear from Sean Payton first. So it is a massive change. Information will come out, but Sean, I will say this. This is the perfect opportunity to separate, for people to really differentiate who is paying attention and who's not. Because I will tell you this, there are guys that don't show up to practice and just show up for the pressers. And now they're going to be a little bit more confused because they're not going to have any idea as to what's going on. And there's a couple parts of that, too. And it's funny, we, as we record this, of course, the, the Denver Nuggets are waiting to find out who they'll play in the NBA Finals. And there's been a lot of narrative around the national media not knowing much about the Nuggets. And that's because at times uh, the media has a tendency of waiting for things to land in their lap. And that's the difference, I think, between being in media and actually being someone who, I guess, we will use the term journalist, where you go get the story. That's the job. You go get the story. And there are a lot of people who are just used to landing in their lap and then just saying, you know, this happened. This is what I got from the team. Well, uh, that's PR. Yeah. That's not reporting. That's a different, <laughs> that's a totally different role. And I think there is a lot of PR around the uh, around the NFL media, around the NBA media. This is just how it works as people consume things. And small bits and pieces and don't have the chance to get in depth like we're going to do in this podcast. But the idea behind that, I think, is interesting. It's what you're talking about is right. And I also think it helps because one of the things that I think Broncos fans have been accustomed to is getting little blips. And I make that joke about throwing footballs into garbage cans. Uh, one, that's actually happened. Yes. And uh, two, you get these little out-of-context things. And so I think fans sometimes – uh, get the wrong like wildfire. right and they get the wrong ideas about what's actually happening let's even say in any particular practice a guy could make a, a good catch around a highlight real thing that someone might have caught on their phone and not had a good practice mm -hmm. or uh, it may not I may not understand it might have been in seven on sevens with no contact there, there's no context to some of those things and i think it builds a false sense of security for broncos fans and that's one of the reasons that i think there's been this huge disconnect between what broncos fans have been surprised by over the last few years as compared to what they were believing in the offseasons. Yeah, I think that's a great point too, because when you when you ask Broncos fans about like coverage and whatnot, any as you mentioned, a lot of things get posted with half the context or no context at all, right? So it could be a quote of, you know, a, a two-paragraph response to a question, right, in a in a podium press conference. Whereas they use maybe two sentences or one sentence, and it's very ambiguous in a sense as, wait, what was really asked? And this response, oh, this response doesn't come across well. Like, for example, I'll, I'll say something as well. Russell Wilson was asked by a media member that he looked slimmer and was asked about, you know, how much weight did you lose? And he said, I'm not going to get into that. For some reason, people, I don't know if they, they don't know how to read. I mean, that could be possible. But I got a comment from somebody saying, yeah, your quarterback, all he likes to talk about is how much weight he lost. I'm like, did you even listen? Did you pay attention? Yeah. So. He answered the question that was asked yeah. to him. And I'm like, did it in a very Sean Payton style. Yes. Now I won't tell you how much it was. Yeah. Not important. And even <laughs> to like what Sean Payton said, to to your point about like what you capture, I mean, there's a, there's a shooting period and whatnot that you get access to. There's certain things you can't share, right? right. And I, anybody who's on the beat or, you know, attends practice with the credential, they know this. Like there are certain things that are on the record, off the record, things you can, can't share. And sometimes, unfortunately, there's people in this market that love to do the hot takes, they love to do the clickbait, and they love to abuse that privilege in a sense. And it does lead to a lot of frustration. And I'll say probably like one of the biggest stirs up in here in this market 
won't even mention them. I'm not going to give them airtime here. But what they do is they, they don't even attend practice. They maybe go to one training camp practice, and then they feel like they know everything that's going on behind the scenes, and then they create these narratives. It spreads on social media. Fans get pissed. It drives clicks and engagement to that place for the wrong reasons. Journalism has taken a little bit of a back step to this what was it? Uh, you know, Neil O'Pierro and I were talking about an afternoon drive. The Real Housewives yes. mentality. Yes, it is. It, it's it's car crash stuff. Uh, what, <laughs> what were you trying to look at for a couple seconds? And yeah, I think that's what's happened in part because the, the advent of social media and the fact that teams are more and more controlling the message and the medium means that a lot of people have gotten used to just having things spoon fed and they yeah. reiterated, like I said before. But that's PR. Yeah. That's not reporting. That's not journalism. And uh, it's worth noting too that even when there are sessions for photography. They're set for a reason and for a set time, and the team knows we're not going to show you anything of value because we know people are taking pictures of it. Yeah. So it's important to try to look at this, and I think in Peyton's case, the way he's putting this together, and uh, he is absolutely running the show. Look, uh, yeah, when, when Sean Payton talked about the potential <laughs> trades of Cortland Sutton and uh, Jerry Judy and said that at one point when it was obvious they weren't going to get what they wanted, of course, they were shopping them. If they could get what they wanted, they didn't, and so they said they're not shopping them. But Sean Payton said something to the effect that, you know, if George Payton's there to answer the phones and tell them, no, we're not trading those guys. George Payton is not Sean Payton's secretary, but it's not as far off as you might think. Uh, he has essentially taken a demotion. Sean Payton runs the football operations from stem to stern. And what we're talking about is not only on the field, but like you said, the entire environment. And uh, obviously, if that's done right, that can be a good thing. And it feels shocking right now. Because you almost have the grown-up-in-the-room mentality yeah. that you haven't seen over the last few uh, head coaches. Yeah, well, and I think it's good to have that. You know, Sean, I can tell you this as a former coach. Uh, dealing with the media in the past before, yeah, like we, we didn't want media around there because we lived in an environment where media had close ties to maybe some teams that we played against, things like that. And so footage that they may capture, they may get it to, you know, whoever we're – I understand all that. And, and look, there's – you see this happen all the time. Some media markets are a little different. You know, I was looking around the, the NFL this week and uh, Miami Dolphins reporters are getting tons of footage, mm -hmm. tons of stuff, right? We're not getting that. Like, so the, the footage we captured, and I, I actually did a report for Mile High Sports. It's on the Facebook, it's on Twitter, where I shot footage, you know, of the stuff that I'm allowed to capture. But it was shared like six hours after practice officially concluded because I had to go and edit it and all that stuff. You don't get you don't get to tell a story through that, right? But basically, here's what I observed. It's telling the story about, okay, at practice, when I was watching the offense say, okay, this was a player who stood out to me. Why did he stand out? And did he maintain that from this period? If it was, you know, let's say a group period, individual, or even a team period, did he maintain that? It forces people to pay attention. And look, there's 90 players on this roster right now, and there are so many moving pieces. I think this is also an attempt for Sean Payton, which I respect, to kind of get rid of all the fluff, the unnecessary stuff that unfortunately those of us who are there every day have to deal with that. We deal with the backlash because the misinformation spreads and it's, it trickles throughout the fan base and we have to spend time like, hey, no, that's actually not what happened. Here's why. I mean, it, it, it's tiresome, but at the end of the day, I understand where Peyton is coming from. It's going to force a lot of media members to adjust. I'm okay with that. I'm honestly on board with that. And, uh, you know, like I said, as long as I can read my own handwriting from my notebook, right. then we're all good. Right. Back to the future. you got to get the chicken scratch in there. But <laughs> the, one of the advantages, too, like you talked about with that, the old school reporting, you got your style that. You flip it back a page. How was that person the day before? It's right here. Yep. 
you know, you can't just throw it out on Twitter and then throw 18 more things out on Twitter. And then within a day, everyone forgot what it was. And you don't keep track of it. And then you build a story. So uh, for the Broncos, I think that's that's a, a, an adult way to handle it. There's a double-edged sword to that, too. Mm-hmm. And that means that now, uh, without the ability to have a lot of fluff and positive, oh, my gosh, this rookie might be a star. Oh, my gosh, this player may be amazing. Now it's going to be about winning. It's about W's and L's. And if this team does not win, the uh, lack of transparency can also become a bit of a problem. And uh, Sean Payton has experienced that on both sides over his tenure out in New Orleans. Yeah, well, and I even say another thing as well. You know, while the you know us credentialed media, we are, you know, we're limited on the things we do. It's also even in-house team media because the same things that, the, that we're doing out there at practice, they can't do the same exact thing. So it bounces out a little bit, but even like you and I were talking a little bit as well. We saw Javante Williams back on the football yeah. field. Speaking, was, speaking of your in team nice. media, right? Yeah, Only eight months after, and everyone says ACL injury. It was more than that. Tore three mm-hmm. of those ligaments in his knee. A substantial uh, injury there. And so to see him back at all, uh, not only was it nice, it was really surprising. So surprising that DenverBroncos.com, <laughs> their own primer, the team's in-house uh, media, which I would say fairly public relations, but the, the in-house PR team actually wrote, do not expect Javante Williams to take part in any of these OTAs literally two hours before he took the practice field. Yeah. So, again, that's kind of an example of how tight a lid Sean Payton and company are going to keep on things that not even everyone in the building knows what's going on. Which is good because, you know, loose lips sink ships. And I think the, the less leaks that you have coming out of the building, the more you can control the narrative, which, to your point, is PR in a sense. But that's what every major organization is about. It's about controlling their own narrative, right? And I, I think ultimately – for Javante to be back on the field seven and a half, almost eight months after that injury, which I saw happen in Las Vegas, where it was the ACL, it was the LCL, which is the outside mm-hmm. ligament of the knee. I mean, that's important for, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Stability, Stability. when you plant your foot. That is so important to have. And so for him to make progress, I'll tell you this, Drotar, I tore my ACL and I tried to make a comeback six months post-op. I couldn't even, I couldn't bend my leg. I couldn't bend it all the way past 145 degrees. You know, stuck at probably about eh, 125, which is not good. You don't want that to happen. So for him to make the progress he did for the demand in which his position bears is super important. It's progress, right? And I think, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, he, he appeared there. He was limited. So what limited usually means the NFL standard, he participates in individual period drills. So position right. specific. And, you know, he was doing some jogging stuff. That's progress. And I don't think we can expect him to be anywhere else than where he is. The fact that he is where he is right now is impressive. Yeah, I think Adrian Peterson ruined the ACL recovery for everybody because <laughs> oh, everyone man. thinks it's different. And uh, you and I can go grab a happy hour one day at Battle Scar because I haven't torn the ACL, but I have torn the LCL, yeah. the MCL, the PCL. Uh, unfortunately, when I tore the PCL, they're like, are you going to ever run a marathon or anything? You know, I kind of laughed at that. Of course not. They're like, we're not even going to fix it. Yeah. So, I mean, at a certain point, those are the, but you need to fix it if you're an NFL player. So, uh, having Javante Williams back this, this soon is interesting because for a long time, the expectations um, would be that he was going to miss an, at least some of the season yeah. and maybe a large part of the season. And uh, you and I had talked about this even out at Super Bowl, yeah. where the, the reports that we had had and the people that we had talked to indicated this could be a lengthy loss. But Sean Payton, a couple of weeks back, said he thought that Javante may be back for the beginning of training camp. Yeah. That's interesting because they, they added Samaji P. Ryan from yep. uh, Cincinnati, a really good addition in my mind, too. But uh, there was not much else, and I think some people were surprised by that. Uh, maybe the Broncos do know what they're talking about. Javante Williams may be ready earlier than expected, and so 
the idea where Broncos fans have looked at every name free agent that's still out there and go, go get Ezekiel Elliott. Go see if you can, you know, uh, maybe that's just not necessary that they think Williams is going to be back sooner rather than later in this appearance, at least. Given how tight a lid they keep on things, there was probably no actual football benefit yeah. to Javante Lewis being out there yesterday. Right. They knew he was going to be seen on the practice field. That's really what this was about, right? Yeah, and, and you know, for, I think for Javante too, because I know the biggest thing as an athlete coming back from an ACL, it's the mental Constance. side. We saw Jamal Murray with the Nuggets. One hundred percent. Look how ACL long it's injury. taken him. You know, even from the time he tore, had surgery. I mean, he he missed two years essentially. And he wasn't right even after the knee had technically healed. We even had it sort of leading up to this year to the All Star break. Like, hey, like is Jamal okay? What's going? on? And then all of a sudden now he's light. You know, he's been lighting it up in the playoffs with Jokic. You know, to, for Javante, the fact that he was out there is a great sign. And even if he's they're a training camp. He still may be limited. He may just participate only in running back drills and then not do team stuff. Like that's the thing we'll monitor. But as you mentioned, Samaje P. Ryan got some run. Tony Jones Jr., former Saints running back, got some run. Keep an eye on Jaleel McLaughlin, the undrafted mm-hmm. rookie free agent running back. I saw a couple of plays on Thursday where he demonstrated great vision and patience. But then he had one play where he got skinny, got in between a hole, and his explosive burst past the second level, he was gone. And there's a reason why he was he's the NCAA's leading rusher of all time. He is a tremendous talent, bulky guy. Uh, so keep an eye on him. But Denver right now, I think they're okay with the system that they have with the, the offensive line, which might I say, Sean, massive. Last year when looking at the offensive line, I was like, oh, man, you know, they don't, they don't necessarily have a lot of big size. You know, Garrett Bowles is probably the big guy. Quinn Miners leaned up a little bit last year. They didn't have size. Garrett is big. Ben Powers, a new addition at left guard, is big. I like that. Cush is a little bit bigger this year, which is nice. Quinn Miners got bigger. And Mike McGlinchey is massive. He's a massive man. Good size all across the board. Combined athleticism, physicality is going to be the game for the Broncos in in their rushing attack. And I think really for the offense, it's going to be run first to open up the pass. Yeah, and that would be the Sean Payton style. And Payton, again, from that Parcells school, uh, heavily values Mm -hmm. the offensive line. Go look at the way he did it. Uh, things in New Orleans, you know, they're built from the line. That's something the Broncos have quite frankly neglected yes. for a really long time, and it had cost them. Uh, interesting to hear about Cushionberry. We'll have to talk about him more as the summer goes along because uh, the Broncos really didn't have a sort of a ready-made replacement. There was the thought process that they might because everyone uh, likes Cushionberry. The yeah. brain is there. The heart is there. Everything is there. The physicality has been the problem at the NFL level. Uh, maybe there's a, a little bit to that, but there are guys that are getting smaller. We talked about Russell Wilson coming in in better shape. Maybe we don't know exactly how many pounds he'd lost, but this has been a, what has to be a challenging off season for Russell Wilson. We're talking with Cody Bork uh, of Mile High Sports, our lead Broncos reporter there at Cody Bork NFL on Twitter. But in Wilson's case, he got a coach that uh, said that basically the things that you were doing last year, uh, those are going to go away. We're not going to have you, your folks having keys to the office anymore. Yeah. You know, it's about football here <laughs> and uh, needed to lose weight, needed to focus a little bit more on the football side of things. For Russell Wilson, this is all new. And the idea behind it that I that I you know talked to a lot of fans about is that, oh, well, how's he going to take this? Like, well, he's going to take it fine. And I'll give you two reasons as to why. One, Russell Wilson, and I've made this argument before is a football player with a baseball player's mentality. Grew up with a baseball player, uh, drafted, played for the Rockies for a year in their minor league system. And the Rockies felt he had a chance to make the majors as a middle infielder. Uh, he's, he's about that grind. He really is about that grind. And he got away from him a little bit last year. But when he had in Seattle the limited number of teams that he uh, did not have a trade clause for. When Sean Payton was in New Orleans, 
That was one of the teams he would accept the trade to. So obviously Russell Wilson has felt comfortable with the idea of Sean Payton coaching him, even though it's going to be probably a lot harder than what he experienced have to be under Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, you know, and, and here's the thing too. Russell Wilson has always had respect for for Pete Carroll as well. Pete is the one when they disagree. Yeah, but yes. there was always a mutual respect there. Russ wanted more input in terms of you know the offensive line. He took a lot of shots in Seattle, and they were still winning games. Last year with Hackett, it, the dynamic between coach and quarterback was just so off to me. It was weird, and it wasn't necessarily Hackett's fault. It wasn't necessarily Russ's fault. But Russ last season, he bulked up so you know he could maybe endure some more contact, right? Because there were times where he'd run, it's like. He doesn't look as fast as he used to, but he looks lean, like significantly. It, it's night and day difference how he looks right now. He does look faster. He looks more athletic, which to me, it goes back to what Sean Payton said about playing the hits. you got to get him out on the run throwing, which seemed, I think does seem to be a little bit of a plan here for the Broncos and their offense. Russ, he, he, he told us yesterday on Thursday after OTAs, he said it specifically. He said, you know, for me, especially after last year, he said, you know, deal with some high highs, some low lowest of the lows. For me, I wanted to come in. I want to have the best offseason of my career, really kind of reshaping and, and retraining maybe what he needed. And, and that came within collaboration. Here's what Sean Payton said to him. Like, I need this from you. And Russ is like, I'll do it. Russ isn't scared to be coached. I think there's a narrative out there that people say, like, oh, he's uncoachable. That's, that's the furthest thing from the truth. Russ has experience. He's a winner. Sean Payton is a winner. And if Russ wants to get back on top of winning another Super Bowl, the way that, the way that Sean Payton has also won a Super Bowl, those two guys have to be in sync, and so far it appears that they are. Yeah, it was so toxic last year. I mean, the oh, thing was so over his skis that you, you could tell what the plan was. Okay, I've got a guy that is earmarked for the Hall of Fame quarterback. That's the guy I don't have to spend much time coaching. Mm-hmm. And so Wilson was sort of left to his own devices. Yeah. And for any player at any level, that's generally not a good thing. Uh, even Peyton Manning and John Elway needed to be coached. I mean, yep. that's the reality. So that's they a wanted to be coached. Yeah. And uh, in Russell Wilson's case, he will turn 35 in November. So that th- there is value in, in staying lean and being able to move and lean into what he does well. He throws on the run, at least prior to coming to Denver, with an accuracy rate that's among the very best in the league. Yeah. The, the question I would have is, can Sean Payton, and it sounds like the way the offenses will change based on what he's done, uh, may lean into it. But Russell Wilson became too predictable, took too many hits as he continued to work, basically, I mean, I can't tell you many times, rolled out to the right, yep. waited for someone to get open down the sideline, took the deep shot if he wasn't getting blasted yep. by a linebacker. And that stuff has to change. Uh, Wilson, as he adjusts and adapts and gets older, because aging for an athlete means you have to do things differently. Uh, getting the ball out faster for Russ, making that quicker decision and maybe not getting as many kill shots down the sideline is going to have to be part of what his equation is. And I think if you look, even though vastly different quarterbacks with Drew Brees, I think Peyton's system will still allow him to take the occasional shot. But what you saw working for the Broncos last year, one of the few things it did was shorter passes to Jerry Judy, get him in space, let him create. Judy was one of the best at six or seven receivers in the league in the final six games of the year and had a pretty good rapport with Wilson. So do you expect that to change, or is it going to be hard for Wilson to kind of change his stripes? I I don't think it's going to be hard to change because – He's been this guy for for the whole entirety of his career. He's taken a ton of deep shots. I mean, that's that's the biggest part of his game. And And that's what Sean Payton wants to do. He wants to say, okay, hey, if I'm going to do this, can I roll out and maybe do a throwback? But you got to pick him. Yeah. And you have to have the personnel to do that, right? And and I think for for Denver, Jerry is is their best player by far in terms of talent and what he's able to do in terms of creating space and separation. 
KJ Hamler has speed to him. Marvin Mims has some speed to him as well. You have size with Cortland Sutton. You have size with Tim Patrick, who's coming back. But I also want to throw you know a little bit of a bone out there to Marquez Callaway, former New Orleans mm. Saints wide receiver. Watching him at OTAs, I can't really go into detail as to like what happened, but let's just say his size is a problem in jump ball situations for opposing defenders. He came down with a couple of really impressive snags on Thursday, and. Right now, it's, I, I don't even know, just looking at the rest, I'm like, how is the wide receiver going to play out? Who are they going to keep? Because there's there's a lot of talent in that room. Can Sean Payton build the offense around what these guys do well to maximize that? How many of these guys will they need? As we know, the NFL is a long, grueling season. The opportunity now, obviously, we know Denver will play Thursday night game, week six against mm-hmm. Kansas City. But there's a chance later on down the road they could be flexed into another Thursday right. night game. Injuries were a major issue for Denver last season. I think anybody – you know, we can talk about how bad the offense was. It's hard to even have an offense considering, you know, even continuity, considering that the lineup was different almost every week for a span of eight weeks and at the midway point of the season. That's rough. And obviously all the one-score games that Denver lost, heck, if the offense just plays just a smidge better. I mean, Sean, we're having an entirely different conversation here today. About the expectations. Better coaching matters in those situations 100%. as well. And, and you're talking about better a, a training staff that has been, uh, yeah, we'll get to that in a moment, but the uh, training staff has been overhauled as well. The Broncos have had uh, significant injuries over the last year, have led the league in torn ACLs. And, uh, you know, I get it, it's semi-random and injuries, but when year after year you're running into the same problems, then that there may be something to look at. The Broncos did, and they've, they've made some changes. But uh, you brought up better kicking. The Denver Broncos moved on from Brandon McManus. He was not out of a job for very long. The Jaguars picked him right up. Uh, McManus, over the course of his career, has been outstanding for the Broncos. Last year, among qualifying kickers, he was 30th in field goal percentage, 29th in extra point percentage, though he didn't get that many chances at the latter, to be totally honest. Yeah. But <laughs> the uh, the expense was pretty significant. You know, makes about $4 million a year. The touchback rate had declined from a player level. You sort of get why you would move away from a player in their 30s that's expensive and not producing like they used to produce. On another level, however, this is a separation. Brandon McManus was the last player left from the Broncos Super Bowl 50 team. And it feels like the, the changeover from the Broncos championship era to now what they're trying to build is really fully underway with McManus's release. And given the fact that McManus is also the union rep, it really does change things. It cements things under Sean Payton. They obviously will pick a new union rep. But the the feeling that McManus is gone for the Broncos now, uh, leaving nobody who's been on the Denver Broncos in that span, uh, uh, let's say Justin Simmons, who's ever had a winning season. That Broncos went 9-7 and with Trevor Simeon in 2016, ever since then losing seasons. Uh, This is sort of... I guess I want to make sure that when we look at it, it's the end of an era, but it's also an understanding that this is a bit of a rebuild on the fly. This isn't the idea they had last year, that Russell Wilson will come in, elevate the offense. Now they're an instant playoff contender. To my mind, this is an admission that this team probably is further away than a lot of fans hope, and the changeover starts now. Yeah, well, and I think you can make that very clear by looking at what they've done on the offensive line. They've invested money to rebuild it. You know, that's part big, of it. Big money. Big yeah, time. And we're both negotiating powers. You need contract. that to pay off, right? And and honestly, like, there's some hope that Cushionberry turns things around this upcoming center. But you look at the investments that Denver has made, they had, really outside of Russ's contract, they had one, one of the lowest paid starting offenses in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. They invested a lot of money in defense, which obviously, you know, the defense won them a championship back in 2015. Uh, and you have to have a really good defense in today's NFL. 
but you also have to have an offense if your defense isn't good, can at least keep up with different offenses that can score a lot of points. Devers had a really good defense, but they have not had an offense that can put up points consistently. And I would even say, I even put a poll out there talking to Broncos fans. I asked them, you know, obviously the last game of the regular season, they beat the Chargers 31 to 28. I said, would you rather the Broncos win that way if they're putting up 30 plus points and they're winning, even if they give up 28? And they're like, yeah. You know, it's much better than, you know, losing a 10 7 game. Uh, oh, undoubtedly. <laughs> you know? yeah, that just feels like it's futile. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what would we waste our time out there for? It is tough. It is tough to, to do that. But yeah, you are right. Like, this is not like your typical rebuild in the sense of how people hear the word rebuild. You're not, you're not like say. tanking. You're yeah. not doing what the Texans were or doing. Or the Cardinals are now doing. Uh, the Cardinals, yeah, yeah uh, releasing. And no, please stop. Yes. DeAndre Hopkins is not coming to Denver. Stop already. Stop it. Denver's not going to do that. He's going to go to Buffalo or Kansas City. Better hope it goes to Buffalo instead of Kansas City. They ain't coming to Denver. Uh, but it's yeah. not what the Broncos need. Wide no. receivers are the spinning rims on your car. When the rest of your car is great, you can afford that. Yeah, the they meantime, still need a kicker. Yeah, well, that's one of the. I think they're at eighty-eight players, so they need they a kicker, get, they and they need one more player, but one more person. Who they'll, knows? They'll find a kicker. That's not too much of an issue. And then they have about ten million dollars in cap space to work with. Roughly, we'll find out what they have next. Uh, to my mind, as we kind of get to wrapping this up. Uh, the need, the most pressing need right now for me is more depth on the defensive line and edge rusher. Uh, where do you see, at least if you, you if you're running the show, you had $10 million, where are you sticking it? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, for me, I was looking at it, right, because I, I expressed it that offensive tackle, defensive line, edge, those were like the three positions you needed at that. They get Cam Fleming back. So for me, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, they're good on the offensive line at tackle. Uh, you know, you look at defensive line and added Lancaster. Right. Yeah, sizable guy could be an under the radar guy, but they're also but a, really, but a, solid, but a guy's yeah. going to be in your rotation. That's he's good. huge. Right. Yeah, he's a two gap type player there. You look at PJ Mustafer, the, the undrafted rookie free agent out of Penn state. They're really hoping he can accelerate and develop a little bit and show out there in training camp in the preseason. But you know, yeah, I mean, Mike Purcell, DJ Jones is, is our good friend. Mike Cliss had once said, uh, you know, this week that he was told that those guys had some minor off season operations. So that's why they're not participating in OTAs. But, yeah, Mike's in his final year of his career with the Broncos at defensive tackle. D.J. Jones entering his second season. You need depth. You need guys there. Look, Zach Allen is also a freakishly large That's, that's a, obviously a big guy. addition, and it's important not to overlook that. But there are still some guys yeah. out there that are still looking for jobs that have Inexperience. been success. Shelby at, at Harris Hicks. out there. Uh, Akeem, yeah, yeah. Shelby Harris and the Broncos didn't leave on the best of terms. I don't know if that <laughs> reunion's in the cards. Probably but, not. Uh, that's the one that comes up when you talk about the Avalanche. Like, how come they won't bring Brian O'Reilly Black? I'm like, well, <laughs> how much time do you have? But, yeah, but uh, you know, Akeem Hicks is out there. Yannick Ngakwe is out there. Yeah. There are some guys that are sitting in this uh, sort of final wave of free agency that might be additions, but it does feel like before they get a name guy, the Broncos would rather just spend that money on more depth because uh, the depth and lack thereof is really what's hurt this team over the last couple of years. When injuries strike, and they do for every NFL team, the Broncos have found that the cupboard was there. Yeah, you, you need depth. And I also think another thing, it, a lot of positions, like there's a lot of competition. Like with Sean Payton coming in, He's looking at everything new. Like nobody is secure necessarily. I think outside of guys like Justin Simmons, Pat Sertan, everybody else. You can like, just stop there. Really yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It is, and Jerry Judy. It is open competition I'm all across the board. Judy. Yeah. So for me, it's Sean Payton is looking at things differently, which I think is good, right? It's good to have a different perspective coming in. You're like, you know what? We're, you were the guy last year, but I need to be sure that you were the guy. And that you're going to be the guy this year. So there's going to be competition all across the board, offense, defense, special teams. I think it's going to make things a little bit more intriguing. And, look, we're going to see some some big changes here with Sean Payton. Not sure what they're going to be just yet outside of what we've already seen. But as the season creeps closer, 
you're going to see Sean Payton's fingerprints all over everything. What's next for the Denver Broncos, and how can people keep up with everything you're doing coming yeah. up? Yeah, OTAs continue for the Broncos next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We get access to Thursday's practice, so I will be there at the Centura Training Center. Obviously, you can check out Written Work Daily at MileHighSports.com. Just recapped uh, Thursday's OTA practice, what we saw, who stood out, what could we talk about, and obviously the new media policy touched on that. But then going into next week, we're going to take a look, you know, Monday, Tuesday, MileHighSports.com, keep an eye on offensive and defensive players you know wh who are some players they'll keep an eye on in terms of some competition all throughout this offseason some names to throw out there for broncos for right us. on kicker battle here it comes everybody get, get excited this is the broncos blitz podcast uh we'll be lucky enough to have cody on virtually every week as well as we break this down we'll also have uh, my radio coach sandy clough on every week as we continue to kind of get ready for this very important denver broncos season uh you know we might be walking away this fall with the avalanche winning the title a year ago, the Nuggets maybe winning a title this year. Uh, the Broncos are being left out. You know, thank goodness for the Rockies, I guess, but they're not even trying. <laughs> the Broncos are supposed to be trying. So we'll continue to follow this right here. Looking forward to a, a new season with you and with the OTAs going. Yeah, it all starts now. Make sure you give Cody a follow. Cody Rourke NFL. That's R-O-A-R-K-N-F-L. You can give me a follow at S-D-R-O-T-A-R. That's S-D-R-O-T-A-R. You can also catch us, of course. I'm on with Sandy at 2 to 4 every afternoon on My Life Sports. And Cody's on with the new Apiro every afternoon, right after that, four to six, every weeknight. So uh, thanks so much for, for tuning in. We're looking forward to the next time. We'll be doing this uh, regularly now. It might as well be football season because uh, the rubber hits the road for Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos. That'll do it for us on the Broncos Blitz podcast. Thanks for listening to Wildlife Sports.